Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy of the Evident Journal's Cult of Hockey, and I'm here tonight with my colleague, Kurt Levins, pinch hitting for David Staples tonight. Uh, welcome, Kurt. Hello, old friend. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well tonight. That was a... Uh, that was a pretty enjoyable and, relatively speaking, a low-stress game to watch. Yes, convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Oilers uh, came out on top in Las Vegas tonight by a score of 5-1, uh, which included them scoring four in the first period, and then uh, and, uh, basically the game turned into a bit of a of a chippy affair for the last 40 minutes with less and less attention paid paid to hockey. As it was clear, Edmonton was going to win to game two. And the question became who was going to get their pound of flesh. (laughs) And there was some flesh exchanged on both sides, I would argue. But uh, uh, Edmonton certainly came away with the, uh, uh, the damage that matters, and that was getting the victory that they absolutely had to have after losing 6-4 in game one. So first, Kurt, an overview from you before we get into the specific good and bad. Yeah, you know, I think given the the um, the deep worry, I'll call it that, in in oil country after, after game one um, isn't erased, but I think eased considerably because I think this is the hockey team that we've been watching for the last two months. Um, and you could pick a better time than the playoffs to come up with one of your worst games in two months, but they, they bounced back in a big way. And I think a lot of the things that we saw are things that you can very easily predict will continue going forward. It's not like this game played out of its minds and, and over its head. I think, you know, I think this was, this was, very, very similar um, to what we're used to seeing from this club. And so I think very, very encouraging uh, as we head home uh, to the friendly crowd in game three. Mm, yeah, it was uh, Edmonton in control for sure. And a more convincing win for them in game two than uh, uh, the Vegans got in game one. So uh, we'll come home with a certainly well-earned split. And maybe a sense that the Oilers have a little bit the better team, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just one game or just two games. But uh, uh, you've got to, if you're going to get a split, that's the way to do it. Drop the first one and then clean up your mistakes and win convincingly in the second one. And that's precisely what happened tonight. Yeah. Kurt, we'll go with two, th- two good things, two bad things, two numbers as usual, but we'll have two good things each in this game with it being a nice big Oilers win. And uh, that's also sort of a tradition around here anymore, but uh, uh, easy to find two, a lot easier to find two good things than even one bad thing out of this game for each of us, I suspect. So for anyway, sure. I'm going to give you the first crack at good thing. Uh, I'll pick Leon Dreisaitl. Um I had to laugh after uh, after four goals and not getting a star in game one. <laughs> he scored twice tonight and got first star. <laughs> How's that for a turn of events? Yeah. Um, I thought he was just a powerhouse again tonight. Uh, two goals uh, on the night. He's up to 13 for the playoffs. That ties the overall lead from the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs when both Evander Kane and Nate McKinnon had 13 goals right. each. Uh, and so Leon, 
hits that mark um, in just eight games. Um, and you know what? He was uh, he was not only dominant on special teams, he was dominant five on five. Uh, scoring chances five on five uh, with him on the ice were uh, five four, just one against. He was fifty six percent the faceoff circle. Um, he he battled defensively. Uh, in particular, I have in my mind that one play early in the game in the defensive zone where he um, he won a puck race by stretching full out. God knows what his <laughs> what his wingspan is from toe to tip of the stick. But that's mm-hmm. exactly what he did to deflect a, a puck out of the defensive zone into safety. Right. Um, when you see the best performer in the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs diving full out to tip a puck out of his own defensive zone, you know that he means business. Um, and he's, I would submit, he's been the best player on the ice for both games in this series. The difference, of course, being... Tonight, the Oilers came away with the win, but uh, Dreisaitl was playing. (laughs) Yeah, he sure did. There was way more than one or two players going tonight, but he continues to be dominant. Um, And at this point, Bruce Cassidy has to be wondering, surely, what do we do to slow this guy down? Yeah, well, he had four shots, seven shot attempts, a couple of hits, uh, a couple of takeaways. And, and zero giveaways, and uh, uh, he was um, uh, he even blocked a couple of shots in this game. Just so all positive stats along the board. Uh, one power play goal, one even strength goal, and just another towering performance from uh, the German Gretzky, as he doesn't like to be called, <laughs> by the. Deutschland Dangler, as he also doesn't like to be called, but... Uh, well, uh, he's sure starting to resemble uh, an oiler who used to wear number 11 in uh-huh. the postseason in terms of quality of performance. He doesn't have those rings on his fingers yet, but uh, but yeah. boy, when you when you look at the pure numbers, he is just ripping it up in the postseason. Well, Kurt, he did... Uh, I mean, he, recently he's turned up on a couple of per-game type lists, or he's now past 40 games, and if you set yeah, that as your bear, which is a little bit on the low side, but uh, he just slides nicely in between Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux on the per-game points and goals. He just passed Gretzky on the per-game goals streak, and I mean, obviously that'll change if he gets shut out a few times, but he got two more tonight, so that, that paddle, stat will be padded a little bit more. Yeah. And when you're t- talking about all-time legends of the game, I was waiting for uh, that like one, those yeah. two guys. Well, <laughs> how about this one? Uh, when his 11 goals in seven games uh, became the first NHLer to do that since New Zealand in 1919, <laughs> 104 years ago. That was the year they actually didn't finish the Stanley Cup playoffs because of the outbreak of the Spanish flu and the the death of uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, Joe Hall in uh, Seattle uh, way, way back. And uh, I think Seattle's last crack at the Stanley Cup, to be honest. But anyway, it was, uh, 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 I mean, you, you were talking about absolute legends of the game, and Newsy is one, for at least for 
those of us historical types that like to dig way, way back into the distant past. He was an early superstar in the game, New Zealand. Well, you know, and, when, you're, when your name starts to get mentioned, not only with Gretzky and Lemieux, but with New Zealand and yeah, Cyclone exactly. Taylor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're doing something. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, he's doing a lot, and, uh, and it's good to see. And, and uh, you're right about him stepping up his game for playoffs, and that's uh, something I personally was counting on, but I'm still pleasantly surprised to what level He's playing at this moment in time. He's just on a higher plane. So, so uh, uh, my first good thing is almost how boring this game became. Uh, uh, I'm one. I have some scars, you know. Uh, the miracle on Manchester that left a scar. The game one in uh, in Carolina in '06 when Edmonton had a three nothing lead and let it get away. Right, the game in in Anaheim when Anaheim scored three goals with the goalie pulled and then won it in double overtime, uh, where they had a big lead and the game seemed to be in in charge and then somehow they let it get away on them. Those are the worst, the worst. Yep. Uh, uh, anyway, so tonight they soared to a four nothing lead in the first period. And I'm just thinking, okay, just don't be doing anything dumb to let them sort of think they're still in the game. And you know what? Edmonton really didn't do very much dumb at all. And they, they didn't give him very much. And Stuart Skinner snuffed a chance here and a chance there. And I think they did hit a pipe at one point. And, uh, uh, but the fact is that the 4 nothing game became a 5-1 final and not a 5-4 final or a 7-6 final where you're hanging on for dear life at the end because both teams are going pedal to metal. Oilers actually played smart defensive hockey they did a whole lot of chipping pucks out chipping pucks in i can't tell you how many pucks they dumped deep i can't tell you how many times they did that long pass to the forward just over center that tipped it deep and uh, it's kind of not exciting to watch but you know what when it's for nothing for your team excitement's not necessarily what i even want i just want to see that clock tick down and they ticked it down just fine they looked like a uh, a polished uh, defensive team. There's a couple times they couldn't clear the zone, but I mean, you're going to get that in any game, really. I, I thought they, yep. uh, for uh, large, large stretches, and really in the third when they benched their top players and went down the lineup, and, and um, Vegas closed the shot clock a little bit, but they didn't really ever make a game of it at any point. No. no. And between, you know, and between the Oilers' penalty kill coming through on their. Uh, there are three kills tonight. Uh, that was really Vegas's chance to maybe make it a bit closer. What's the score on one of those? And the owners took care of business there, and and really they took care of business for sixty minutes. Yeah, you know, and I thought in in the back half of that game, if I can call it that, I can think of of three uh, players that wouldn't be considered stars on this team who I thought played critical roles in that boring final 30 minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, one was our, our rookie goaltender. I thought Stuart Skinner was solid. As you mm-hmm. mentioned, a couple of big saves, including that, that one breakaway. Right. Um, there was, I thought there was a second bar, but it turned out that uh, the stick actually hit his stick and it was the stick that hit the post on, on the second. Oh, okay. One. Right. So I, yeah. So I thought Skinner was, was really solid probably his best game of the playoffs. He wasn't spectacular, but didn't mm-hmm. need to be. Right. Um, 
I, I thought when you when you look uh, at a guy who has struggled in these playoffs, Vinny DeHarnay tonight, uh, a buck fifty nine on on a penalty kill that 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 was a perfect three for three, um, and so that that is a nice development from a player who I really thought that they might sit out tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm happy for him, uh, and I want to mention Derek Ryan because you yeah. know he's uh, he's not a guy who earned a star tonight, but. I yeah. must have counted a dozen smart little plays that he yeah. made. Yeah. Never put himself in a bad position. He was one of those guys, Bruce, that you were talking about. When when he got the red line, that puck went into the corner. Yep. Like like clockwork. Over yeah. and over, yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah. Derek Ryan has never been the most talented player, the fastest player, the biggest player, the strongest player. But boy, he's smart. Uh, yeah. And I admire how he uses his head out there. And I thought he was noticeable in a very good way in that uneventful um denouement to this game that uh, you yeah. so rightly point out yeah yeah no he was very solid that's a, that's a very nice choice by uh by you but he's not your second good thing so who is <laughs> my second good thing is clean costin all right um and you know what clean didn't have a perfect game he was minus one a night and, and had a bit of a, an unfortunate giveaway up the wall which which did lead to to the one um Vegas goal against but you know what I think when you play in the bottom six what you're looking to do is make an impact on the game an overall positive impact on the game no matter what you put down on the score sheet and I thought that's what clean Costin did tonight not only did he have four hits not only did he have a scrap um, not only did he tail a guy uh, who was taking liberties at uh, Connor McDavid right to the gate and was about to uh, and inform him that that was a bad choice before mm-hmm. 97 waved him off, which I thought was a pretty <laughs> incredible sequence. Um, yeah, it was then, good on both parts. Yeah, you know, right? That's the right yeah. thing to to, to trail that. Know, man, we got this. Play. Just yeah. leave him be. Let's not, let's <laughs> not give him a power play. Let's walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then with the game well out of reach, uh, clean cost a note on the ice, blocks a shot, is seriously hobbled. There's mm-hmm. no way for him to change, so he hangs in there um, on pretty much on one leg. Puck comes to the point, guy winds up. What does he do? He steps in front of it again. <laughs> same foot. Uh, same foot. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I glanced up at my screen, and every player in the Oiler bench w- was on their feet, yeah. hammering their sticks against the yeah, board as he, as he hobbled off. You know, it's, That's the mm-hmm. kind of thing you don't need to – to score a goal, you don't need to have an assist. When you're in the bottom six and you make contributions like that in the game, there's a pretty good chance your side's going to come out on top. Yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't quite as epic a sequence as that time in the regular season when Vinny DeHarnay blocked four David Pasternak <laughs> slap shots in a row. Uh, but, I mean, that was one of the all-timers. But this one was, uh, I mean, he hung in there and he just got right back in that shooting lane. Boom, sure enough, same foot. And he was uh, feeling it, but uh, he went down the tunnel and he must have walked it off because he felt good enough to come back and get in the fight. <laughs> yeah, and I wondered because, you know, two two guys uh, helped him helped him down the road. Yeah. So that's yeah, what yeah. I saw, and I was like, ooh. Hope that's I, not that a busted foot, good. you know, yeah. Yeah, and well, I mean, and we'll see, right, tomorrow, because right. sometimes after you take your skate off, things swell up and stuff. It's like hard that. to put it back on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, you know, and guys like him and Kane and Bukestad, you know, when the game got silly and Vegas tried to clown around a little bit, um, this isn't the Oilers of, you know, five or 10 years ago, these guys are 
more than capable of standing up for themselves, as we saw tonight as well. And Costin was a big part of that. Right on. Yeah, yeah, he's an easy guy to root for. And uh seems like his teammates uh, like him. He's got, uh, uh, you know, he's far from a perfect player. But guess what? He's a $750,000 bottom six depth guy. And he brings gumption and he brings uh, physicality. And, you know, there's that, he's got that wicked shot that comes out of the blue once in a while. And, and uh, uh, a little, some rough edges to his game. But uh, sometimes rough edges aren't all bad. So, yeah. yeah, and he did all of the above in eight minutes and 56 seconds. Yeah, tonight. yeah that's so. pretty typical. Like, he's he's just generally around the 10-minute mark, you know, and, and still doing all that. My second good thing is going to be the goal that I, I really think put this game away. This is a 3-0 tally scored on the penalty kill uh, by Connor McDavid on, on a great uh, shorthanded effort. And there's actually a couple of Oilers in the corner that uh, that made decent efforts in the first place that allowed uh, Connor to get sort of isolated one-on-one against Shea Theodore, who is a very fine defenseman for uh, uh, the Golden Knights. Uh, but fine as he is, he was no match for Connor McDavid on this play, who first of all was able to out-battle uh, Theodore, get a stick on the puck just inside the blue line and chip it out into the neutral zone. Uh, at that point, he engaged, Theodore wheeled around and engaged again with McDavid for the same puck, you know, and out, out at center ice area. And again, McDavid uh, won control of the puck. And, and uh, then the third battle that he had with Theodore was a speed battle to the net. And uh, Theodore had no chance there. It's, McDavid uh, went by him and was able to cut in front and just kind of chip a one-handed shot that caught Laurent Brassois coming across the crease, expecting him to chip it high, which is McDavid's favorite play, really. But all he was able to do was slide it along the ice and just get it inside his uh, his skate. But it was a play where it was basically Connor McDavid three, Shea Theodore zero, and, and uh, sort of an ex- one extended puck battle that McDavid kept winning. And then a pretty nifty finish. And once that went in to make it 3-0, and that early Vegas power play was over, and this after Edmonton had scored two power play goals on their first two, and then they scored a shorthanded goal on Vegas' first power play. Turn out the lights. Uh, Oilers were cruising in at 3 nothing. They got an even strength goal before uh, before the end of the first. And uh, it was 4 nothing, and that was, you know, it got to 5 nothing. Like, Vegas never made it even remotely close. So Yeah. Yeah, that goal was equal parts beauty and brawn, right? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a strong guy, eh? I love how he is is willing and able to put his shoulder into a guy and yep. and beat him to the inside. That's yep. that's tough. That's a, that's a power forwards game, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and that wasn't exactly against the uh, Vegas's you know third pairing defenseman, which makes no. it all that much more impressive. I kind of had to smile. Louis Debrasque on the on the on the telecast said bet, bet, lucky goal and I turned to my wife and I said uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if if uh, Louis wants a redo on that 
<laughs> once he sees the replay again. <laughs> that was yeah. Well, Louis is going. He knows he's on national broadcast, and he's going the extra mile to make it appear that he's not a homer. But there are times when I sort of say, "Come on, Louis. Yeah. You know, take our side on one of these penalty calls or <laughs> video review calls, just once. You know, or yeah. you know, say, yeah, McDavid made a pretty good play there. You know. Yeah. Exactly. He really did. But uh, yeah, he. I, I thought Connor skated better tonight than we've seen mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, and I think he, you know, this this downtime, like they had three days off between games four and five, or between games five and six, pardon me, and three games off between series, three days off, and then two days off between games one and two, and I thought his skating was was better in game one and better still in game two, and and starting to look like, you know, he can. He can lose people with with his, uh, you know, stops and starts and crossovers and stuff, which was really kind of not a dominant thing for him in the back half of the LA series. So, yeah, you know what I think Connor was. Yeah, I think Connor was one of the few players who just looked a quarter turn off, Mm -hmm. you know, in the last couple of games, and I would Mm -hmm. include, you know, Hyman and 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 Kane. I think in that in in that same sentence. And all three guys, I thought, looked way closer yeah, to their people. So. Hyman had a terrific game tonight. He's going to get a high grade. Three assists, uh, led the team with five shots on net. Kane co-led the team with five shots on net. And was a general uh, menace. Plus one <laughs> and, and a uh, 24 minutes and penalties to also lead the team. And just was in everybody's face, including that lady with the... Uh, uh, with the black and, and shiny dress that was giving him the double bird from the stands on row one. And he one was blowing her back. <laughs> I saw a tweet from someone, hang that in the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, they, uh, uh, those, those two guys were big. Uh, and, there, you know, there was lots of good performances. But let's briefly turn to... Uh, what we saw is bad things tonight, or at least middling things that could have been better. And again, uh, your lead. Yeah, um, it was a bit tough to pick one. I think you kind of went through the same process because it really was a complete effort from this game. I'll pick Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on on one hand, Nugent Hopkins put up a couple assists, and I thought was on on special teams. I thought he was effective, um, yep. and awesome. and probably. Earned, earned his pay from that standpoint. But what is my bad thing is he still looks far from right. Uh, and it really shows up five on five. Tonight, five on five, his CF was two and 10, yeah. 16%, which is as low as I recall seeing this year. Um, scoring chances for or against were... Uh, one to five with him on the ice and high danger zero two with him on the ice. Now, um, so much went right tonight um, that it isn't a problem. Uh, and his contributions on special teams are notable. Um, but in a long playoff run, you're going to need your third best player yeah. uh, uh, to play way better than he has played so far these playoffs. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's sick, um, but he's not the Nuge that we watched the entire regular season. Um, and knowing the quality of the person, 
Uh, I'm absolutely positively guaranteeing that he's giving us everything he's got. Um, but that is what leads me to think he, the guy must be down a court because something's not right. Yeah, well, he's, uh, uh, I noticed his special teams play as you did, and I'll be grading him favorably for that. But, you know, I, you know, was he's far from the full um, guy that we had. You know, he was winning so many puck battles this year, and I thought, you know, he's, his, he was looking stronger and he was looking more uh, confident that he would just go in there and come away with the puck against whoever. And, and I've seen less of that in the playoffs and wonder if there's a physical reason or malady of some sort behind it. But uh, And I do uh, wonder if it's a lower body injury or something right. like that, Bruce, because, you know, the other thing we're not seeing, which is typical Nugent Hopkins, is those backtracks and those strips of pucks. He's mm-hmm. usually great in the neutral zone, and we're not seeing that right now. Uh, and it's just atypical of him. Right. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's totally fair. Um, yeah, bad things. I'm so struggling for bad things. You know, I'm not going to complain about the refs, which I've been known to do on, on rare occasion. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to... Um, you know, I got real no real issues with the artists, even when they, you know, in the third period, they they... they Backed, backed off a bit and gave up a little bit, but not very much. And I mean, the shots got closer, but not that many dangerous ones. Uh, I guess I'm kind of forced to pick the one play that uh, that costs a shutout. And even there, it was just very small things. It was a, 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 a failed clearance along the boards by Costin. And then there was a pass from the slot where McDavid got a piece of the pass and deflected it up in the air. So it's not like he got badly beat. He made a play that's going to win it for you, usually. And then it came up towards Matthias Ekholm, and he tried to reach up with his glove uh, rather than engage the stick of the uh, goal scorer, who was one uh, Ivan Barbashev uh, with his third goal of the series. And Barbashev was able to backhand him, whack the puck right out of the air, right in front of Ekholm's glove, just under the crossbar uh, height, and whack it into the net. So, you know, I mean, they made a play. It's hard to say anybody really screwed up on that play, but the mm-hmm. bad thing was that Skinner lost his shutout. So yeah. I'll, go, <laughs> I'll go with that thin thin thing. I mean, if it was one nothing at the time and it sent the game to overtime, I'd be a lot more upset about losing that yeah. shutout. But yeah. in the playoffs, I don't care about shutouts. You just want to win games. Yeah. Yeah, and the goal the goal was properly uh, allowed. I think they looked at it in case it was a high stick, yeah, but but it was really close. what it was to yeah. But to take a to take a baseball analogy, what that was was a was a liner into the gap, <laughs> yeah. right? Belt high, like, belt high yeah. fastball, and he he uh, yeah. he drilled it into into the gap. Indeed, that's a good way to put it. And so. So uh, that's my puny little bad thing. I'm in a pretty good mood, so I'm not going to rip anyone. Yeah, don't blame uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, what have we got left? Numbers. Numbers. Uh, one number each. Uh, again, you uh, go first, Kurt. My number is seven. Um, mm-hmm. The last seven times the Edmonton Oilers have lost a game, um, they have won the next game. They are 7-0 and coming back from losses. 
Um, and the score in those seven games, bounce back games, I guess I could call them, mm-hmm. uh, on average, 4.7 to 2.6. And the power play is at 45%. Huh. Um, That's pretty convincing. Yeah, right? So it's, uh, you know, it's a resiliency that we have seen from the team, maybe not all, but for much of this year. Uh, and I have to say, while a lot of people were really wringing their hands pretty vigorously over that loss in game one, I wasn't losing sleep over it. I wasn't happy with the performance, but I just knew that, that A, that's not typical of them, and B, I could recall a dozen times this year when they bounced back strong from subpar or poor performances. And so I kind of expected something like that tonight. I won't say I predicted the dominant performance that we witnessed, especially over the first 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, when you've followed up your last seven losses with seven wins in convincing fashion, um, yeah. it means that you're made up of pretty good stuff and you're and you, you have self-belief that you can bounce back. Yeah, of course, the big, big, big example of that was game four in Los Angeles, where they lost game three in a controversial fashion in overtime. And then game four, they fell way behind early and they just fought their way back and and found a way to win that game also in overtime. That was the, the biggest test. But yeah, I've always liked a team that can end losing streaks at one. Yep. That's the way to do it. And uh, uh, these orders have been pretty, pretty consistent at that. And many times, including tonight, they've done it in very convincing style. So yeah, so sometimes with clubs in that situation, there's there's grease on the rope. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you're trying to climb up, but as fast as yeah. you move your hands, you're you're still sliding down the rope. Right. Uh, whereas these guys seem to have a pretty good grip on things. Yeah, none of this Blue Jays five-game winning streak followed immediately by a five-game losing streak, <laughs> where you're going nowhere and you're just banging your head against the wall because one week it looks like your team can beat the world, and the next yeah. week, it, yeah. <laughs> it must be May. We both have baseball analogies. <laughs> uh-huh, yes, yes, it's baseball season for sure. But it's, uh, it's still hockey season. Uh, I'm going to, I, I was going to go with 124 minutes and penalties, which was an awful big number of penalties from this game. But I'm, I'm going to uh, stick to something a little more Oilers positive, And that is the power play, which scored three times tonight. The power play scored three times tonight. And their playoffs percentage success went down. <laughs> they went three for six. 50%, and that lowered their playoff success rate from 58 to a mere 56% now, with 14 goals on 25 chances in the playoffs. It's just unbelievable. They've played eight games, and they've got 14 power play goals, and they're basically averaging three chances per game. Tonight they got six. They got chances early, and and they uh, converted early, and then they got a chance because... Uh, the Vegas coach foolishly challenged a goalie interference that obviously, you know. Yeah. Terrible I, challenge. Yeah, I, I would have been shocked if they'd overruled that game. Yeah. I was surprised a few times this year, but this seemed pretty clear. The Vegas defenseman, Nicholas Haig, had pushed Zach Hyman into the into the crease. But at that point, it was 4 nothing, and the coach is probably going, if... Now, if it's four nothing, we're not coming back, so we might as well take a wild swing at it and hope that the NHL referees invoke the Zach Hyman rule and just allow another goal. But 
not this time. And uh, Zach actually was innocent this time. I mean, some of those goals should have been disallowed. I was, I think, not quite all of them. It was yeah. like seven during the season, but uh, this one was a clean goal. And so uh, they got their chances, and they converted even the last one in the game, which you know they if they were going for a record. They could have put their big guys out there, but they put the second unit out, and then they put their third unit. Third out. unit, yeah. <laughs> and Dave and Drysdale just sat comfortably on the bench, having a nice little chat as the game went wound down. And even though they had two goals each, I mean, you care about as much about hat tricks as you do about shutouts. Just win the game, yeah. come out of it in one piece. You know, don't put those guys out there to tempt somebody to take a big run at them in the last minute and they and they, and they didn't so Spurs. That, that's uh that's my uh, number for this game and uh, uh one other observation um to do with jay woodcroft and his personnel management um and this could have maybe come under my first good thing of how the orders controlled the game down the stretch they had the big two going together for uh, well into the second period, and then all of a sudden I'm noticing, hey, there's Drysaddle with Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. And then mm. a few shifts later, on, hey, there's Drysaddle with Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. And, you know, and there's uh, uh, McDavid with uh, Kane and Hyman. And you've got two good lines of uh, forwards and, and two solid centers. Whereas when they team up the big two, the second line, I think, you know, it's a little more vulnerable. So moving Leon back down to the second line with the lead was just conservative but smart coaching. Well, you'll remember in the uh, podcast that the three of us did before this series started, I I picked the Oilers' strength down the middle as one of the reasons why I thought they would win the series. And I I can't say I've been 100% with Jay Woodcroft for not playing uh, McDavid and um, uh, Dreisaitl on separate lines. Because I, 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 I worried a little bit that he was playing away from a strength that we had over Vegas. Right. Uh, but as you, as you rightly point out, when they took the lead tonight, then he did go to that option. Oh. Um, and I think when you line up McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Bukestad, and McLeod, I think that's a tough foursome to, to go up against for, yeah. for any team. Um, and and surely the club was successful in shutting it down the rest of the way. Yeah, well, I wrote a post earlier this week, and I pointed out that they, you know, since McDavid got took a couple of nasty hits in game three and didn't appear to be skating on his best, they immediately put Drysaddle with him next game, kind of like they combined him last year after Drysaddle hurt his ankle. Yeah. <clears throat> and that kind of sheltered McDavid a little bit, uh, but... Uh, uh, the price they paid for that was that Nuge, who'd been doing just fine as a complimentary player with either McDavid or Drysaddle, suddenly he was the odd man out trying to, uh, you know, anchor a line, and that line was getting caved. Yep. And so part of it was, you know, was just a, you know, it's just a roll of the dice. You, you put your two strong ones here, and then leave yourself a little bit vulnerable because I mean, all these playoff teams have at least two good lines. Yep. And, and uh, I mean, you mentioned Hyman and Kane is not having been playing all that great either. And so that, uh, uh, that second line has been in pretty deep, but uh, once they switched that up tonight, I mean, um, and as I say, McDavid looked enough stronger that he was able to handle it. No problem. And then the third, they just basically went to bottom sixers and, uh, Yep. And depth players and Kane and and you know the the bigger 
stronger, tougher guys that weren't going to come out on the short end of the physicality and uh, that worked fine. There's nobody going to beat up the Edmonton Oilers this year, uh, Kurt. No, for sure. And your to your point on setters, I know that Bukestad played 15:51 tonight, and McLeod played 17:25. Yeah, McLeod so. led the way at uh, at even strength for uh, for centers, and uh, he had a a pretty good game. Couple couple of moments I kind of raised an eyebrow, but uh, three shots, four hits, and uh, you know he was pretty engaged and good on the PK. So if if he's your four C. Right, you're in yeah. pretty good shape. Yeah, agree. Like and I thought he skated particularly well. Yeah. I, I agree. He he wasn't always perfect with his decisions, but he had his wheels going. Right on. All right, Kurt. Well, I think that uh, wraps up. Unless you had any final observations heading home for games three and four. No, uh, I think I think there is an advantage. Uh, even though lots of people like to poo-poo home ice advantage, I think having last change is an advantage. I think the Oilers crowd is an advantage. Uh, and I, and while I'm, I know there's lots of people who don't think momentum transfers from game to game in the playoffs. And I think there's a modicum of truth in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Oilers will feel confident in the effort that they put forward in game two. Uh, and, and, uh, and when you have a team filled with offensively gifted players like the Oilers, if they feel confident, mm-hmm. um, I think the opposition is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Vegas will be, uh, Bruce Cassidy and company will be uh, staying up late the next uh, today and tomorrow trying to figure out some counter strategy because uh, they came out second best tonight and it wasn't particularly close. Yeah, they'll be giving the old VCR a workout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. All right, well, we'll look forward to game three and four in the uh, coming days. I'm uh, I'm going to let you get back to doing what you were doing. And thanks for taking a little bit of time out to uh, fill in for David tonight. He's at his uh, dad's uh, celebration of life. So we wish David and his family well during, uh, during, uh, well, it's a tough time, although it's, I guess enough time has passed that they're actually able to celebrate the full entirety of his life as opposed to the end of it, which tends to loom the largest right at the right, right right away so anyway so uh we'll be back with our regular cast and crew probably on monday night and i think you have the grades on monday night so uh, we'll handle it that way but in the meantime thank you very much kurt for stepping up tonight you bet no problem and and my best thoughts to our teammate david and looking forward to reading your as always expert game grades when they come out later this evening I haven't even written a word yet. Uh, I'm a slow writer, but I, I like to wait till the game is over before I start to write about it. So I have a, you know, it's an actual ending point to the various threads of describing the action. I got lots of notes, but uh, I still got to write. So it'll be a bit later, folks, but that's the price you pay for my particular way of doing it. And you guys are fat. You guys are newsmen. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dilettante. You know. I just. I've got no, no journalism degrees or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, I'd say you do a pretty do good impression thing. of a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> just doing my thing, Kurt. Anyway, tonight I get to write about a win, and it's not freaking midnight because this was a five o'clock start, not an eight o'clock or eight twenty start, and it didn't go into overtime, so we're all good. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so with that, I will. Uh, Thank you, Kurt, and thanks to the listeners for listening. And in the meantime, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.